0: Welcome to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia
1: Pauls. Dan Moyle, our executive producer of this podcast, was also able to interview Geraldine DeReuter, who discusses online harassment. Thanks for all the work you've done for this, Dan. And we know you've got a lot of great information for our listeners.
0: Sitting in for Claudia today, uh, I'm Dan and I am one of the producers and I also am a guest host. Occasionally we'll have uh, someone on who is not in our regular studio and so I had the opportunity today to bring you a guest that is outside of our studio. So Geraldine DeReuter is from Seattle, Washington, Seattle area, and she is an acclaimed author, uh, a world-renowned public speaker, the voice behind the award-winning Everywhereist blog. And she's also uh, someone who has experienced online harassment and abuse. And I had the privilege of seeing her presentation at a conference in Boston uh, in 2019. And it was absolutely incredible. And it was titled The Smart Women's Guide to Surviving Online Harassment. But it was so much more than that. Anyone who ever has faced harassment that starts online it always moves offline, whether it's threats to your life, whether it's being swatted or doxxed. And we'll get into that in the conversation, what that means. Uh, Online is just part of our lives. And so if you are receiving abuse online, or if your abuser has gone online as well to to do this to you, this episode is for you. Uh, How to survive harassment that begins online, that kind of thing. So Geraldine is is an absolutely amazing guest. Uh, I hope that you get a lot out of this. So let's get on with the interview. Geraldine DeReuter, thank you for joining us on I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you aboard the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So as I mentioned in the intro, Geraldine, uh, I saw you speak at a a conference, at a a marketing conference about (laughs) online abuse. So interesting. Um, But what I found fascinating about it was the fact that uh, and, and we can get into a little bit more about about your experience and, and why you did this presentation. But what I found so fascinating was the fact that online abuse is not just online, right? And so, for those listeners of, I'm not in an abusive relationship. If you're experiencing abuse online, it obviously goes into your real life. So that that blew me away, which is why I had you on. So thanks.
1: Oh yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, that um, it, that's kind of that was kind of the crux of my talk. And I think it's something that when we, you know, first of all, when we talk about online abuse, we always say online, right? And it's just on the internet and you can walk away and you can put your phone down. And I think when we do that, we really don't pay attention to what our relationship with technology and the internet is, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we can't unplug and it's not a, oh, well, I'm addicted to my phone. It's in a very tangible, my work, is online my life is online the things that i need to do to get through my day are online and yeah. if you talk to someone who has just lost their phone or doesn't have an internet connection and can't function you see that in in a very real and tangible way so when we tell someone will just unplug and just walk away that that isn't a very realistic approach and i think the other problem with that is is that it ignores it ignores really how any sort of online or, or verbal or, or, uh, you know, threats, uh, work, which is they don't, (laughs) they don't exist in one tiny little space of your life. Right. If you are having a bad time at work, that spreads out and touches every aspect of your life. If you are having, uh, a bad time at home, that influences your work or your school. If you are being abused and getting a ton of vitriol while you are at your computer, which might be something that you do for work, it might be something that you do as a hobby, it might be just, you know, you're on there because you want to see what your friends are up to, that is going to impact every aspect of your life. So, yeah, so that idea that we can just turn it off and walk away, I think is, is pretty fundamentally flawed. And I, I just wanna make people aware of that. I think mm-hmm. that's the starting point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, kind of to echo what you just said, while it happens online, it often is then talked about in person, You know, when, when you're called names, when you're abused online, when you're verbally mm-hmm. abused or textually abused online, uh-huh. it, it then becomes a threat of you're worried about your home.
1: Oh, absolutely. Or whatever, I mean, right? Absolutely. So a lot of, I mean, a lot of the threats that, you know, and we can go into this later, but a lot of the threats that I receive and a lot of the threats that women online receive um, and men, you know, people just who are getting abused online are things like, you know, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to rape you. I'm going to, you know, do this to your family. I know where you live. You know, people are getting doxed, And when that happens, the specific mm. point of that is to erode the barrier between your online and your offline world and make you feel threatened in a very tangible, physical way. That mm. is the entire point of that. Otherwise, why is someone doxing you, right? right? It's to make you feel unsafe in your home.
0: Yeah. To take away that power and control, yeah. right? Yeah, um, absolutely. So let's talk about doxing real quick. Um, sure. I, I wasn't familiar with this until I heard your presentation. So what is doxing and what does that look like in today's day and age?
1: So doxing is essentially when any personal private information of yours has been released online without your consent. Uh, and it can be anything from, and the most common thing that we see is um, women's address. Well think so you'll have to forgive me. I usually talk about my presentation with regard to mm-hmm. um, online abuse of women, which is kind of the most prevalent thing that I see. So forgive me for for skewing that way. Um, but what we most often see, and actually I believe that women are the the group that is most targeted with doxing, um, okay. is that you will have your uh, you will have your address or your phone number posted online. Mm-hmm. Uh, with people who are anonymous, sometimes doxing will manifest that someone will out who they actually are and If you are trying to keep your profile um, hidden and if you don 't want to actually be known as you know whatever your Twitter handle is, that can be really frightening for a lot of people uh, and then there's there 's a lot of uh, a lot of different ways that are um, that are kind of more specific if you're high profile, like Leslie Jones, who is the, who's a comedian, she's an actor, she's on SNL. Uh, She had her passport photos and her passport information and a bunch of personal documents, uh, I think financial records as well, leaked online. Um, You know, women have their, women and men have their phones hacked. Having naked photos of you released is a very common thing. I think that's what we've seen with uh, Katie Hill's uh, ex-husband just released her photos, and that mm-hmm. when that happens, when you have uh, when you have naked images of you or very personal uh, imagery of you like that, that's something that's called revenge porn when somebody's mm-hmm. taking uh, you know taking your private information and using it against you like that. So so there's there's a lot of different ways in which um in which people are getting harassed.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it the internet can be beautiful but also so scary. Like just so scary. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh,
0: so what what do you do when when you give your presentation and you talk to to people about this? What can they do about being doxxed or somehow trying to stop it? Like if it happens what can you do or can you stop it also?
1: Oh gosh. Um so I can give you links to my presentation afterward because there are some specific um, resources that that people can pursue. Um, If it is on a specific platform most platforms are pretty good about if you instantly you know report it they will take down that information so you can stop the spread of it as soon as possible. Uh, Twitter for all of its faults is pretty responsive when people have been doxed. Um, uh, let's see what else. Facebook is fairly responsive. If you can, if you can report it, you can get it deleted. And there's a few re- websites like Reddit that will immediately shut down any sort of personal information that mm-hmm. has been released. Um, you can, one thing that you can do is do a search for, uh, your name and phone number in Google and see anywhere that it's been listed because there are a lot of websites, uh, I think like whitepages.com and a few others that just list your personal information. And I've done this before and I'm lucky enough that they are very bad at their jobs. So (laughs) the information is all wrong, but you can email them and get all of your information taken down and that's a good thing to do before any of this has happened. Um, okay. just get try and get as much of your information wiped as you can. The problem with that is, and I was talking to a friend who has been um targeted, she's in the gaming community and she's been targeted repeatedly. Uh the problem is that if basically if you're registered to vote, people can find your address. Mm. Uh mm yeah basically that's that's basically it. If you're registered to vote, that's what she told me. She's like, anybody can find you hmm. and so that becomes um that becomes a very big problem and she actually had to move numerous times and I think the stats are when women like w- w- then this was for women and they were like when a woman has been doxed, she has to spend on average $1, seventeen seventeen hundred dollars to kind of clear it up and that can be moving fees and and getting the information taken down. There mm-hmm. are some professional organizations that will do it and then there is a nonprofit and I will try and find it and you can add the link to this podcast later. Mm-hmm. There is a nonprofit that actually specifically works with women who have been the target of revenge porn. And so they take legal action on behalf of the the targets of that, so that there are some organizations that are are taking action that way. Um, the other thing that I always say is um, preventative measures are great, so make sure that it's very hard to hack your information so uh, having two factor OAuth on on all of your all of your sites. You know, it's super annoying to have to pick up your phone mm-hmm. to log in, but it's a great measure. And a friend of mine who is extremely active on Twitter, what she said is, look, you can't access any of my accounts unless you have my phone. Mm-hmm. And if you have my phone, you've probably killed me. And she was you know she was speaking kind of tongue in cheek but also quite seriously because she gets a lot of death threats and so that's that's something really simple that you can do There's also a ton of password um, kind of management companies out there. I think one word is one of them that I've heard great things about. I don't specifically use them um, but i've I've heard that they're great so there there are a lot of different ways that you can kind of try and protect your information, um, preemptively. And that's what I always tell people to try and do.
0: That's a good idea. Um, I want to come back to another in person, (laughs) real, in real life, uh, air quotes kind of thing, but I want to, what you said a minute ago, it it, it struck me. You said she gets a lot of death threats. Yes. My gosh. Why? Like, I know this is a huge question. (laughs) This is a big crux of your presentation, but why, why are women in particular, And and anybody who is, I don't know if the word's marginalized or non-mainstream, whatever you call it, but but like uh, women especially,
1: yeah, and other
0: other people. uh, Why why are they so targeted? I don't understand this.
1: So it is, yeah, and it is predominantly like so. Women are targeted, and uh, if you are a woman of color, you are getting, and this is, you know, I mean this is statistically like proven you are getting the worst abuse of it. If Mm -hmm. you are uh, a woman of color, I think something like 80% of all abusive tweets on Twitter were targeted towards women of color, something like that. I would need Mm -hmm. to look at my presentation now. I can't remember the stat. Um, And there was, uh, there was an analysis a few years ago, I think it was in 2012 or maybe going up to the 2016 election in the UK so you'll have to forgive me I don't know when the UK has elections <laughs> but they did an analysis of all of the abusive tweets sent to um sent to women and they found that uh MPs who were who were black or of asian descent were receiving something like 10, oh God, I need to look it up, but 10 to 15 times the abusive tweets as, mm-hmm. their, as their white female counterparts. So just astronomical. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, when that happens, what I see that happening, when I look at who's getting abused and it's, it's people of color, it's women of color, it's women, it's, um, it's people with disabilities, it's people in the LGBTQIA community and everyone who kind of uh, exists where those circles intersect. What I see that as is social media is giving people who have not historically been empowered or had a voice, it's giving them a platform and it's giving them a voice. And so if if you are following the right people on Twitter, you know, you get to hear the perspective of, um, you know, black, gay, disabled women, which in my life, I had not prior to that. So mm-hmm. you get to open up your world and your mind to perspectives that you need to have in it. And I think what we are seeing from people who are making abusive death threats and, and trying to bully people off of these platforms is... Uh, people are bothered by this shift in power, uh, which is, isn't even a shift. It's just we're giving other people a voice like we're yeah. we're we're not allowing the single voice that is prevalent to be this voice of like white, you know, cis, heterosexual, uh, you know, dominance like we're not allowing that to be the single voice. And I think some people have a big problem with that.
0: Yeah and i I can only imagine how scary that can be for someone in it, but for those who are what I heard you say in your presentation and what I hear you say now is the idea that you're not alone that unfortunately it is very prevalent, but that means that you're not alone if you are being harassed, you are being abused, somebody else is too so look you know reach out yeah and and find that help and protection because you're not alone
1: i mean that I, what I found is that that has been for me it's been really comforting and i think based on the people who've reached out to me it's been pretty comforting for them as well like it's just bit, it can be very isolating and very um it can make you a little bonkers you know to mm-hmm. be like like okay you know somebody just said i deserve to you know meet up with a violent and one guy you know sent me a message on facebook and he said you deserve to meet up with a violent incel um in an alley uh and then called me a bunch of names
0: mm.
1: and i was like this bothers me <laughs> is yeah. that but it's just it's ones and zeros right it's words on my computer screen and what does that mean and how does this make my brain like what is this doing to my brain and and so i start trying to minimize it um And getting a little, I get a little bonkers about it because I'm like, what is real? What isn't? What is safe to worry about? What isn't? And I think that uh, at times like that, it is extremely helpful just to talk to other people who have been there or just to talk to people at large. So I think what I did with that is I screen capped it and I put it on Twitter and I made some pithy comment like, oh, just another day as a woman on the internet and it was nice to see the responses to that because they were normalizing and they let me know oh no this is not this is not the a way that rational humans behave and there right. is a problem with this because I think one of the things that you get when you are being uh, the, the subject of all of this vitriol is you start to think it's normal
0: and it and it just can't be it can't be
1: no. we have
0: to put a stop to this. Um so I'm glad you're doing that.
1: Oh, thank well I'm trying. Yeah. I don't, yeah. know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> well, know if I'm succeeding, but I'm trying.
0: So another so I'm going to get back to the 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 in real life IRL thing. Um, yeah. When you're harassed online, one of those real life things that can happen is being swatted. Yes. And what I heard you say in your presentation was how you in your area in the Pacific Northwest uh, in, in the Seattle area like you had a way to hopefully put a stop to that. So let's talk a little bit about what swatting is. Sure. And and your experience on that and what you did.
1: Okay. So I um and this is not from my personal experience, but swatting is essentially when someone will place um will place a call to the authorities and they will either place the call claiming that they are in your house that they are you and that they have a gun and they are going to kill people in the house or that they have a bomb and that they are going to take everyone in the house out um, or that they are just in somehow a major threat to the people in the home. Uh, Or sometimes it'll be a call that says, hey, I know for a fact that there is someone in this house with a gun and they're going to threaten to kill everyone so it is a way of um falsely making a report to the authorities and uh one that will uh, the intent of the people who are doing the swatting is that the, uh, literally a swat team will come mm-hmm. and break through your home and if you don't know that that is going to happen the mm-hmm. odds of you getting extremely hurt or shot um, and killed is very high mm-hmm. and recently I believe someone went to prison for swatting so uh, I, I think it was in Texas uh, a gentleman was angry at someone else on a gaming platform and he called the authorities and swatted this other guy's house but he got the wrong address mm. And I can't tell if that—I mean—that it, it, compounds the tragedy. But if he had gotten the right address, would that be any less tragic? Is right. kind of the question. Right. So he gets the wrong address, and there is a gentleman at who is at his home, and he answers the door, and there are police and SWAT teams. And the guy is holding something and it's pretty innocuous. I want to say it's a remote control or something. And for some reason he doesn't put it down fast enough and he is shot and killed. Mm. And, uh, the person who perpetrated all of this, I think is now facing 20 years in prison. And that was one of the first cases where S where the, the person who swatted someone has ever faced consequences. Mm. Um, it recently happened in my hometown to a writer named Igoma Aluo, who is quite famous. Um, she wrote a book uh, recently about, I believe it's called, So You Want to Talk About Race. Um, but I would need to look it up. So she is... Um, yeah, she is a a black woman and an author and she has a a very big following on Twitter. Um and somebody swatted her house when she wasn't home but her teenage son was. Mm. And I th- that's obviously scary for so many reasons. Um mm. but you know the prevalence of young black men getting shot by police in this country is is pretty big so that i think i I think it cut into a core fear for her as the mother of a black man Mm -hmm. um and the she said that the police handled it well which is awesome because seattle pd is not always great um and what she talked about is that there is actually a registry that, if you are a someone who believes they are at risk of being swatted, and you are in the I think Greater King County area, you can put yourself on a list at, that says, "Hey, you know, reports of somebody with a gun threatening to kill everyone at my house um, may be false," mm-hmm. and so the there will be extra precautions taken by the authorities if they receive a report like that. And the other thing that goes along with that is that there has been additional training for Seattle PD and for kind of emergency authorities around the Seattle area where when they get calls like this, they are becoming more aware to to kind of look at the situation and say, is, is this a potential swatting situation? And how should we react, um, and what kind of force do we use when mm-hmm. we address this situation? So they are trying to they are trying to put uh, measures in place that my understanding is that this is a pretty new program, and that it does not exist in in a lot of parts of the u s but I think mm-hmm. if you're in a major metropolitan area, you can check and you can also see about doing something in your local area and talking to the police in your local area, especially if you think you're at risk of being swatted, I feel like um, there is reason that you could have a conversation with your local police department.
0: Yeah, and it's something just to be aware of. Those who maybe, yeah. maybe have never heard of it now, yeah. now have heard of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we talk uh, on, on this show a lot about um, abuse and that kind of thing and, and violence, it's oftentimes intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm but what we're talking about right now covers, covers that for sure. You know, revenge, revenge porn can be that, but it's also more generalized. I mean, this is a like it's obviously a very serious issue. How prevalent have you seen this in your interactions after you experienced it? How often are you running into this with other people? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so first of all, going back to your first point, um, the overlap between uh domestic abuse and online abuse is huge i think there's something like 80 percent of of um individuals who had been abused by their partner kind of in real life had experienced some sort of abuse online from them as well Mm -hmm. and sometimes that was um uh, usually in the form of cyber stalking um but also, uh, you know, attempts at hacking and trying to find out personal information. Um, So, in terms of how many people are and how prevalent this is, I, the stats are kind of overwhelming. um, And I think it's something like, It's interesting because I think it's something like half of all women have reported receiving um, some kind of harassment online, which feels conservative to me. And the reason that that feels conservative to me is that I have talked to women in my life about what they consider harassment. And the bar is very, very high. And it's like somebody calling you a couple names. Well, that's not harassment. Well, somebody sending you a couple photos. Well, that's not harassment. Um, and one thing that I found was interesting is that, so if you are a woman under the age of 30, you are most likely to be the recipient of, um, you are most likely to be sexually harassed online. Mm. And, The number of women under 30 who reported being sexually harassed online was lower than the number of women who reported receiving unwanted sexually explicit images, which means that there are women who are receiving basically dick pics, and they're like, well, that's I'm not being sexually harassed. (laughs) <laughs> That's not, that doesn't count as sexual harassment. So what we have grown accustomed to as women is, is, ex, is uh, there is a base level of abuse that is exceedingly high. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, when I actually am able to, when I'm actually talking to women who have, are like, no, I'm the victim of online abuse, It is, I have had to move numerous times, I have received packages at my home, my parents received threatening letters, I can no longer use my email because it is a flood of photoshopped images of me being murdered, kind of things. Hmm. So, um, but that low level abuse, that like, getting called, you know, the C word or the B word or, yeah. or, you know, all sorts of stuff. I don't know a woman who doesn't deal with that.
0: Hmm. And that still is abuse. I mean, that's still.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. But yes. we, that's what we uh, just were used to. And it's interesting because the one, th- there's one argument that when people want to basically uh, kind of, Uh, dismiss my entire presentation, the one thing they say is they cite a study that I believe came out in 2015 or 2016 by the Pew Research Institute that says that men are abused online more than women. And I find that very, I I always find that when people cite that study very interesting because um, that's like saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't care about women being murdered because men are being murdered too. I mean, that's fundamentally what you are saying, right? right. We shouldn't care about abuse of women because men are being abused. And it's like, no, those, those are two important issues. And actually if we address one, we will in turn address the other.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and what I have also found is any man who has been the victim of online abuse absolutely thinks that online abuse of women is a problem. Mm -hmm. So the people who are saying, well, men are abused online more than women, they don't actually care about Mm -hmm. either of those groups. Um, But what the Pew Research Institute study says, which I found fascinating, is it does not have a a bright line or a filter for what abuse is. It lets people self-report on Mm -hmm. what abuse is. And so you have women who are under reporting abuse. But what was fascinating is they had a couple of um, pull quotes from men who had reported abuse. And one guy said, I was abused by my sister-in-law because she called me a bigot and a racist. And I was like, maybe you're a bigot and a racist.
0: (laughs) I I just, I can't. I can't.
1: (laughs) I know. So I have gotten that numerous times. I've had uh, men in my mentions going, I get abused all the time. One guy was like, I completely got abused in this thread. And I looked and I screen capped it because literally none of the comments that were made to him were under any metric abusive. There was a couple people going, lol, man, you're so wrong. Right. Uh, that was literally like the harshest thing that had been said to him. But he was saying he had been abused online. So I was like, okay, so that study that people always bring up is so flawed, but people use it to say that we shouldn't care about this issue, which mm-hmm. I just it is bonkers to me. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad you care. Uh, when I I remember seeing the the title of the presentation as I was choosing my sessions for that trip, and and I was like, you know. I mean, I've, I've known you for a while. We, you've yeah, been on, yeah. on my personal show. But I thought, you know, I really want to see this because it, it, it was a smart woman's guide to surviving online harassment. And I thought, you know, while I'm not a woman, I want to be there and, and understand this. So I want to go. And it was in, incredible. You. So yeah, you, Thank you got you. me carrying I really, you
1: too. <laughs> I, I really appreciated you being there. And it's funny because, um, yeah, it's, it's really something that if you're in a, position of privilege, you have the most power to change stuff. You know, um, my friend Chris was there and he is the, you know, he's the CEO of a a company out in Boston. And yeah, he doesn't fit that kind of metric either. Right. Right. Um, But he, he was like, this was great. And he's like, this is Really important, and there's some stuff that I need to talk to my team about in terms of you know what we do and how we regard comments and and what we allow to exist on the site, um, and and he, and it was really helpful for him, um, but you know what he's in a position to implement those changes, so I think it's one of those things where yeah you don't need to be a woman or even you know the victim of abuse to to benefit from listening to what other people are going through and and know that you can help
0: yeah empathy can go so far Um, yeah so Geraldine how did you so we've talked about some of the some of the what's and the whys, this kind of thing but I want to know why behind the scenes how did you get on this journey of talking about this so much Oh, I mean, you're a travel
1: writer. Gosh, I am. I mean, I am. It's funny. I'm moving out. Of, I've been moving steadily out of the travel space. I've been like running yeah. away from it. Um, and I actually, I, I haven't been talking about this. I just pitched a new book to my agent, um, which I should be working on right now. And I am. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I am working on that book. That's right. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, but it is not in the travel space at all. So I started blogging a decade ago. And the interesting thing um, when I started blogging, actually, and I probably got weird. I got some weird abuse before I even started blogging. So my husband, um, you know, ran a tech company, and I would get some weird comments from people who knew him, Um, and then I started blogging, and very, very early on in my blog, I got weird stuff, and I was like, what is going on, and in those early days, I completely blamed myself, I thought this is 100% my fault. And I would panic and I was like, oh my God, what did I do? And I would start scrutinizing the blog posts that I had written. Like, was it really that bad? Like, why did they say I was this, that, and the other? God, they're so angry. What did I do to make them angry? And it took me a really long time to realize, oh no, those people are just angry and hateful and need an outlet. And they found a very, very negative way of doing it. Um, Hmm. But I started talking to people and found that, virtually every woman in my industry was getting comments like these. And we were writing about, literally like about travel. You know, my friend, um, a friend of mine is celiac and a food writer, so she would travel and write about where you could find gluten-free options in various cities. And the threats and vitriol that she received was crazy and so that's when it started to kind of click with me that it's not what we were writing it's who we were Mm. and it was just the fact that we were women who were visible online
0: that's that's just crazy crazy yeah yeah
1: Yeah. so then I started moving kind of away from travel blogging um because the world was on fire and I felt like I needed to acknowledge that Mm. uh so um When things kind of came to a head for me was uh, a little bit, God, has it, no, there's no way it was two years ago.
0: There's no way.
1: I think it is. Has it been two years? What? So about two years ago, and my brain just broke at the (laughs) time. (laughs) Yeah. Has it been, has it been really two years? Was it It 17? Hold on, I'm gonna look up a blog post really quickly. Do I have time to do that? Yeah, of Can course, I yeah, absolutely. I can't actually handle, um, let's see, because I can't handle when this happened. I'm probably gonna scream and my apology <laughs> to No, okay. Oh no, it was, oh my God. <laughs> okay. So in January of 2018, I wrote a blog post um, called, I made the cinnamon rolls from Mario Batali's sexual harassment apology letter. And what had happened was the month earlier, at the end of 2017, Mario Batali sent out an apology for allegations of sexual harassment. And... Um, it was has since been proven that it was way worse than sexual harassment he's a, He is a criminal um, and should be in jail and at the end of his of this apology which went out in his newsletter to all of his fans, he included a recipe for cinnamon rolls, which yeah okay so yeah. if you 're just listening to this show you can 't see dan 's reaction.
0: <laughs> I just, I just can't. As a, as a guy, again, I go back to, I can't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Dan's Dan just physically embodied extreme discomfort combined with, I can't even. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, but that was basically, and that was kind of the universal reaction to this recipe because it was so incredibly tone deaf. I mean, his inability to read the room. And the way I put it is, he describes these as a fan favorite. And I'm like, if you don't understand what consent is, you don't get to determine what people's favorite <laughs> thing is. So yeah. um, so the, the way I always tell it is nobody in their right mind was going to make these cinnamon rolls. So I made them. <laughs> and I wrote about it. And I wrote this article that kind of became um, an intersection of of this terrible recipe, Mario Batali's story, and my personal experiences of sexual harassment. And I kind of wrapped them all together. and the post went extremely viral in a matter of 48 hours. I think I had two million visitors to my website. Martha Stewart retweeted it. The New York Times wrote about it. Pete Wells, who's the New York Times food uh, r- restaurant critic, wrote about it um, and sent me an email. Uh, <laughs> n- numerous people emailed me um, and messaged me about this this piece. So uh, it was it kind of was career changing in a lot of ways Um, and about 48 hours after the piece went up my Twitter account was hacked and there was a promise that it would happen again so I had to um, get my Twitter account back which was extremely stressful Um, but I you know I'm a writer and if if anyone else listening is even if you're not, there's some of us whose careers are inherently tied to our online uh, social media platforms. Mm-hmm. So the larger a Twitter following you have, the bigger a book advance you're going to get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just math. <laughs> that is how it works. Yeah. So, um, So I lost my Twitter account and I didn't know what to do because this was something that was happening online, but it had very real world implications, not just for me personally, but for me professionally. Mm. And I got it back, but I started thinking about that and what it meant. Um, And that's when I realized there was no bright line between our online and offline worlds Mm -hmm. and that I needed to talk about this. So um, I got a lot of harassment for that piece and also a, a lot of support. Good. Um, people were really wonderful. Um, and it was a mixed bag. And and that's when I also noted that uh, if you are a woman who has a piece that gets a ton of attention, you're also going to get a ton of garbage as a result. Mm-hmm. The higher profile you are, the more crap you're going to get. Um, and most recently, probably about six months ago, I tweeted... I tweeted something about the Joker and it was a tweet. Um, the Joker should have been a woman and she finally lost it because too many men told her to smile.
0: Which that, frankly is genius. Thank I you.
1: Mean, I loved it. I mean, and it was, come on. It was a it was a joke and it was told after I had had uh, a hell of a day. Rand and I had had a hell of two days. We had actually spent two days trying to two days visiting um, kind of elder care facilities for his grandparents mm. who are in their 90s. And so we were touring facility after facility with two 93-year-olds. Um, and That's hard. It, was, it was really stressful. And it was at the end of one day, he was taking his grandparents back up to the hotel that they were staying at in downtown Seattle. Um, because our house is not, uh, is not accessible to them. Unfortunately, we have too many stairs. Mm. And I was sitting in the lobby because I had just parked the car and I was done <laughs> with everything. And this guy walked by, by me. No, and he, no. Yeah, yeah. So he literally said like, why? S-? He literally said like, why so serious or something like that? And I thought, I will kill you.
0: <laughs> and be justified. I
1: will, I will kill you and no jury will convict me wow. provided they are women. <laughs> and yeah. so um and so I wrote that tweet and it got 4 I think it has 47,000 retweets but I was the target of so there was like a a 4chan numerous 4chan threads about me um you know, calling me every name you can imagine, saying that I needed to be silenced, that I was influencing children and needed to be stopped. Um, There I got, there were several like, several like right wing red pill, I don't even know what they call themselves, YouTubers who made videos dedicated to me. Um, So I just got so much mail and so many messages and the thing that kind of was very auspicious about not auspicious i don't even know the word i didn't even intend for this to happen i sent the tweet out and like the next day they announced that robert Pattison was the new batman and so people just were like yeah and i'm like what i don't even know i don't even care i care that jeffrey wright is commissioner gordon because that's awesome but i don't <laughs> care that we have another like white Batman like that did not interest me at all I really wanted John Cho but that's another story (laughs) Um, but anyway yeah so that piece has gotten me a ton of hate and so yesterday was Halloween and I dressed as the Joker (laughs) (laughs) I love it I love that
0: yeah I've I, I had no idea that the just smile thing was was a thing until the last couple of years I began to see more and more about it and then I'm like you know yeah stop it yeah you don't have to I've never told a guy hey smile you look prettier like and I mean I not that I personally told a woman either but like I would yeah I, I,
1: I can't have you just, ever been told it no. has anyone ever said smile no. hey smile hey you hey you look sad today smile no about a little smile? one of my favorite things about uh the tv show called the good place is oh yes um, uh-huh. Adam Scott plays a demon on the show, yep. and he 's just a very the, the there's almost like this subtle awfulness to it because he's not an he's a he's a demon that you would meet in your everyday life, and he just keeps going to Kristen Bell and going, "Hey, hey pretty lady, how about a smile and you oh God yeah yeah, I
0: love that show so I good Mike Michael sure is fantastic showrunner. And Kristen is absolutely amazing. Yes,
1: absolutely. She's wonderful. And they talk about, they talk about cinnamon rolls made from pizza dough on one episode, which just, I was screaming (laughs) in my house.
0: They probably read your article. Um. I don't know. (laughs) One,
1: One would hope, but I don't know.
0: I love it. Well, Geraldine, listen, thank you so much for taking time for this. Um,
1: thank you. Thank you for having me. Sorry I tucked your ear absolutely.
0: off. No, gosh, not at all. We, I'll, I'll keep going all day long, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic stuff. So I will put links in the show notes of the, of the show. Yeah, uh,
1: I have a ton that I can send you.
0: But if anybody wants to connect with you, uh, where's probably the best way on Twitter?
1: Um, yeah, Twitter is an awesome way to get a hold of me. Um, my contact info is on the About page of my blog. My blog is Everywhereist, so that's the word Everywhere, then ist. dot com, um, and it used to be about travel, and now it's kind of not. <laughs> that's so kind of everything. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of everything. Cool. I should have been Everythingist. No, there that you doesn't go. sound right.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> not nearly as good as Everywhereist. I like that. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you again for being a part of this.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the work that you're doing on this.
0: Thank you for listening to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, I.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.